Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. It is the Irishman running abroad. This week we have a big episode for you. I am going to put the marathon training questions to Sonia O'Sullivan that we all want answered. That's right. Questions submitted by you, the listeners, covering every topic imaginable related to marathon training and other stuff as well. It won't all be marathon training chat. Sonia, you've had a busy old week, a busy couple of weeks, let's be honest. We didn't even talk about your entry into the NCAA Hall of Fame last week. What was that like? I mean, Mike Connolly's there. There's so many legends entering with you. What are those events like and what did it feel like to enter that uh, community? Yeah, it was great. It was only the second year of the NCAA Hall of Fame. And I suppose these things, you know, you don't really realize what they're all about until you, you go to attend it. And then you see all the other people around you and all the achievements that they have had. And I suppose when you see that you're you're right up there being, you know, not just compared with them, but being kind of aligned with them in, you know, receiving the NCA Honour Hall of Fame, then, yeah, it's definitely something special. Something. And it just shows you, you know, the path that so many athletes follow to reach the great highest highs in sport. And it was it was all track and field, even though you'd love to know this now, and you probably know, you know, Mike Connolly's son. I do. Mike Connolly Jr., NBA <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> he was there. He was there, yeah. You and would have been going, you would have been cornered or myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have been like, get out of the way, Mike Connolly Sr. <laughs> Mike Connolly Jr. is way cooler. But Mike Connolly but Sr. The, is a legend as well, of course. The funny thing is that I didn't know this. So I, I only knew Mike Connolly because he went to Arkansas. Yeah. And uh, through Frank O'Mara, I knew that they were good friends. So I told Frank that he was there and then Frank sent me a picture of him with Mike Connolly and with their old coach John McDonald so I showed it to Mike and then we kind of started talking a little bit and it was only when he was on the stage getting interviewed and the guy getting interviewed I mean he obviously didn't do a very good job because he said so you went to Ohio State oh my god and then for one year and then you went to Arkansas why did you do this why why but, would you bring it up? But it's actually his son went to Ohio State. Oh my God. Even worse. So he got it confused. And then, so then it all came out, you know, that, oh yeah, Mike Conley, he's like, yeah, well, you know, I've, I've been taken off the top of the list now. If you Google Mike Conley, his son comes up first and all about him. And it, yeah, he's like one of the highest paid NBA players out there. And yeah. Oh, he's, he's, been, he's a phenomenal player. He's like, massive, isn't he? Yeah. He has never done anything like Mike Connolly, you know, in terms of the you know, global impact of what he did in that you know, fabled competition between himself and Carl Lewis, where both of them are smashing the world record in the long jump one after the other. I mean, it's one of it's probably the most iconic long jump scenario we've ever seen. And just like yourself, uh, etched into the memory of anyone who watched athletics at the time, you got a massive gold medal around the neck for entering the Hall of Fame. Am I right in saying that? <laughs> yeah, and they were like some big medals, you know. Yeah. 
that you actually had to wear on the stage. Yes. Yeah. Like a flavor yeah. flav clock from Public Enemy. <laughs> huge. Yeah, they gave us something to remember it by. But no, they did a very good job. They had a few different activities for us to do and lunches and things to, you know, get together and meet up and you know, it was yeah, it was it was really good. So I should I should give you the list of all the people who were there because I mean I had to look up some of them, some I didn't know at all. Mm. Yeah, I think I have. Yeah, because they were there from like one of actually I met who was very interesting was who a lot of people would probably know is Dave Wattle. Yes. So he won the eight hundred meters in nineteen seventy two, I think, in which would have been in Mexico. Is seventy two Mexico? But he was the the famous. He ran with a, a hat on him. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. We know the image well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he came from behind, and you know, he came from way behind to win at the end. And Edwin Moses was there. Uh, Michael Carter was there. Uh, you know, there was there must have been an awful lot of who's who in the in the crowd as well. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing is that as big a deal as it was, it was really just family and friends in the crowd because okay. they they didn't really. I don't know, it was like it was a made-for-TV production. I see. And um, I think normally it would take place when the NCAA championships are on. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't on in Eugene this year, and they must have some deal with Eugene that they had to um, have it there. So, uh, Which was better, yeah. Sonia, getting inducted into the NCAA Hall of Fame for track and field or taking part in the park run on Saturday and <laughs> achieving a time <laughs> you didn't think you were going to get? Well, actually, the funny thing about the park run on Saturday was that it was a. I decided I was going to do it because I suppose I wanted to go to watch the rugby at twelve o'clock, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to have a you know a timeline, a good start to my day. What do you call it? The um, Ireland Funds five k was on last on this weekend as well. Now I was probably one of the last people in the world to do the Ireland Funds five k, and I was using the park run, the Rump Creek Trail park run as my my 5k for the Ireland funds because normally I would be either in Ireland or in Australia when this is taking place and yeah we're in Dublin we did it together in Dublin one year we did it in Dublin it was great yeah I mean we've I've done this all around the world and it's it's been a lot of fun and then it's great to see so many Irish people get together and take part and this year they were wearing green t-shirts which was really good and appropriate you know ahead of the big rugby game against South Africa that was coming up a few hours later. But when I turned up at the park run on Saturday and I hadn't been here since, I don't know, May probably. Mm. So a good few months. And there was one guy there and I'm going to mention him later in my shout outs. His name is Arnand Mares. And so he's a, a, a regular. And so when I turned up, he was like all excited and <laughs> delighted to see me turn up. And the reason was because it was his 100th park run. Oh, good man, Anand. Or is that how it's pronounced? I see his name here, Anand. Yeah, Anand, yeah. Yeah. Anand Marat. And so he was delighted that I would turn up for his 100th park run. I didn't know, but I was delighted. We need to send that klaxon again. He he, he was not Irish. That's not a very Irish name, is it? No, No. (laughs) not at all, no. No. Uh, obviously, you you were saying to me before we came on that, you know, you hadn't run that and you've been off running for a little bit and you hadn't expected to run that time. Uh, the the thing I, re- I associate with park run now and with trying to break 20 over the last two years 
is that there comes a point in the park run where it's not much crack anymore. Uh, <laughs> did you hit that moment? Because it definitely ties in with the first question we've received from our listeners. Oh, yeah, probably from the first 100 meters, because ultimately it was one of those things where I had, I needed a bit of a, a guideline because I've only been running, you know, eight or 10 kilometers every second day, you know, not even every second day and never below five minutes per kilometer pace. So quite slow. Hmm. And, you know, for park run in a way for me, the benchmark, you know, I don't even think I've ever run 25 minutes, maybe once with a friend. So you generally think that you're going to run somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes, normally around 22 to 23. But I was definitely setting myself up for running about, you know, 24 minutes. Yeah. No, at least anything, you know, sub five minute K along the way will be good. And so I, I actually said to and and I said, what pace are you going? Because I knew he didn't go too fast. And he said, oh, maybe 24 minutes, maybe 23, something. And I thought, it's perfect. I'll just follow him then and I at least I won't go too fast for the first bit <laughs> but of course he haired off out and I couldn't get nowhere near him I forgot that you know most people who run these park runs go start off way too fast oh yeah like the clappers and, cr- and crawl home <laughs> yeah. yeah so the, I suppose the big thing for me there was that I came across the finish line and I was expecting it was be about 23 or 24 minutes and when I saw it was 22 39 I was like oh that's not too bad yeah nice but, but it felt terrible <laughs> and I was like and I this happens to me every now and then is that I go and do something like that and it's a little bit of a wake-up call and it kind of reminds you that you know it shouldn't feel that hard and if you if you just had a little bit of regular training then it probably you could run the same time a lot easier and so that's kind of my motivation right now to do a little bit of regular running have a bit of purpose in the runs that I'm doing mm. and the main purpose is just so that when I do turn up at the park run that you know I can just run between 22 and 23 minutes <laughs> quite easily yeah without feeling yeah. like you've been run over later on in the show I'm going to talk to David Gillick he's going to jump on the call and talk to us about his experience of what Sonia's just talked about he said that his long runs this time last year were not much fun. And if you're training for a marathon and you're in that pit of going, God, my Sunday long run should not feel this hard. He was explaining to me in this phone call that we did that he was having to take a couple of days off after the long runs and how things are completely different now. He ran a ridiculous time of 1.22.09 at the Dublin City Half on Sunday or Saturday. I was sad I couldn't take part in it because, of course, I was at the INEC in Killarney on Friday night. But I did get a long run in around the lakes of Killarney on Sunday, which was epic. But as I said, the question of pain relates to our first question for Sonia this week in our mailbag episode. Pain is inevitable, this listener says. Pain is inevitable when running a distance like this, Sonia. What are your coping strategies for coping with that discomfort? What do you say to yourself? How do you turn the volume down on the pain? Is it even possible to ignore it? And can we have a coping strategy in place for when the going gets tough during the Dublin City Marathon? So I have to assume when you're talking about pain that it's like an effort pain rather than a yeah. injury pain. Yeah, that it's yeah. just, and it's not, I mean, pain seems a bit of a, 
extreme words. I mean, I think it just means that it gets hard. Yeah, I think I think that I think you've nailed it yeah. there. But some people would call that pain because it's it's the opposite of lying on your couch. <laughs> yeah, which I did a bit of that yesterday. Actually, I was for no harm after after park run Saturday, and then I did a longish run, thirteen kilometers, sixty eight minutes, which is my first time over an hour. I, I saw this run. It was uphill for fifty um, percent of it, wasn't it? It was, yeah, and then we turned around and flew back down. It was great. Nice. <laughs> it's a gradual little uphill. But when I was on the couch, like sometimes you can get stuck on the couch if you start watching something. So unfortunately, I started watching Australia and Wales play rugby. Oh. Which Car crash. <laughs> that was kind of depressing, you know. I mean, Wales were pretty good, but, you know, it would be hard not to look good playing against Australia these days. So that kept me on the couch for the afternoon yesterday. When the rain came down, so there wasn't much pain going on yesterday afternoon, but on Saturday in the park run and in the longer run on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it gets hard, but I suppose you kind of, you can't stop, you know, because what are you going to do if you stop? That's the number one thing, you know? Yeah, well, I think I mean, that this listener is asking you, though, like what happens internally for you that like I know can't stop is not an option and. You know, or maybe, Sonia, is this just a thing that you as an elite athlete are so trained to not even consider that there is no dialogue in your head? It's just, this is it. This is what it is. Let's go. No, I think my thought process when it gets hard in a run or in a training session, more in a run than a training session, and I suppose the marathon is an extended run because... It should be fairly balanced, the pace that you're going in. Yeah. So my thought process would be to slow down. Yeah, okay. I'm going way too fast here now. Mm. If I keep going this, I'm not going to finish. So i got to slow down here. And by just the thought process of slowing down, you may not actually slow down, but you think you're slowing down because you think, okay, i gotta, I got to back off here a little bit. And it may be that if there's people around you that you say, okay, I'm not going to go with these people anymore. Now they're just... Going too fast for me. Mm. And you may be hanging on to people that are maybe two or three seconds too fast for you. And, you know, that two or three seconds can make a huge difference. Yeah. So you do have to just kind of, okay, I've got to, I've got to let go here now and do go my own pace for a while. And you find your own pace and you find getting comfortable with that. And then you hope that by doing that, that you start to run smoothly again. Yeah, I mean, this is, I guess this question is one that I've thought about. I thought This is why I thought it was so great is that our marathon is always talked about as beginning at the 20th mile. Um, that means, you know, they talk about the knuckle down, that that's the point at which the work begins. And I think that that's what this question relates to is that you even said when you won the Dublin marathon that there then comes a point where you got to grit, you got to, you got to, you know, bear down and get stuck in. What, what do you, can you practice for that? Is that what the long runs are for? And when you say, well, my, my thing is to slow down. Uh, I mean, is that what you should do at 20 miles is go, if you're in a lot of discomfort effort wise, should you pull it back a tiny bit for a mile? Well, I think you have to weigh up how far you have to go and how you're going to get 
through that. And so you have to start doing a bit of calculations in your head here. Mm. If I keep going this pace, I'm probably not going to make it. But if I back off 10 seconds a mile or, you know, a few seconds a kilometer, then the effort should reduce. And then I, I will be able to make it. And you say, okay, it's six miles. It's 10 kilometers. It's two times park run. You know, you start just breaking it down into smaller pieces. Mm. And then you, you, you just try not to think about the whole six miles to go, but the next section of that six miles that you have to do and you get through that. And then all of a sudden it's five miles. Okay. It's like eight K now. That's less than two park runs. And, you know, you just keep telling yourself a different story deferred. And, you know, every step you take forward is one step closer to the finish line. Yeah. I'm and little of... things like that. And I think I, I suppose I'm lucky because I can look between miles and miles kilometers. And kilometers. <laughs> depending on what suits me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can play these little games with yourself. And so I think that's the big thing is to do. I think a lot of people use this tactic is they just doing calculations in your head to distract yeah. you from the whole big picture. And, you know, some people count, like they might know, count to a hundred or something, and that'll take you so far down the road and then you start to another count to a hundred. I mean, it's a lot of counting and a hundred is a lot. For me, I would only count to 10 and then I go back again. Mm-hmm. So I don't, so I'm not constantly counting to 10 and I give up. I'm like, I have enough of this now. And well, then you, you run for a bit and then you might start the next mile and we'll come to 10 and see how far we can go. Well, speaking of distractions, I thought about this while I was running around Muckras Lake, which honestly was one of the most fun loops I've ever been on in my life. I used to cycle this loop all the time as a kid when on the, the family holiday, we'd cycle out to Muckras, go around to Dinah's Cottage. And it's all full of these loops and swirls and bendy roads and up and down and then there's a lovely long flat bit on the road as you come back around. So I did that loop twice and it was very lonesome. I was up at seven, you know, the sun was rising and I had the whole place to myself. And it did cross my mind that, God, this is night and day to what the streets of Dublin are going to be like in 34 days time. Our next question relates to that. My family <laughs> want to come and cheer me on and I'd prefer if they didn't. What can I do? It's the question. I, I love this question because Sonny, it does relate to coping with expectation and kind of friends or family meaning well, which you obviously have experience of, you know, the whole nation wishing you well, but it kind of you needing your own bubble to get this done. What do you say to this listener? Well, you're not going to know they're there. I mean, there's a lot of people out in the street. But maybe that's the but, problem, that you know that they're not there, so you don't know where they are. Yeah, so I think you just don't discuss it. And if they want to come along, they come along, but they don't have to discuss it with you. Mm. You'll be long gone before they have to leave the house. And yeah. I think you'd be happy to see them at the finish line. Yeah, maybe that's the no, thing to do. I mean, I think that's the thing is that when you get to the finish line, the finish line can be a very lonely place if there's nobody there. For sure. You know, you cross the finish line and... It's a, it's quite an emotional place to be after running 26 miles. And then you look all around and, you know, you do, all you want to do is fall into somebody's arms and... <laughs> yeah, and cry. <laughs> not even <laughs> say anything. So, you know, I think that's where you need your family there to have them waiting for you at the finish line. But I suppose down through my career when I would go to a lot of races and my 
mother and father would come along a lot of the time. But, you know, they came, they did their own thing. They organized it themselves. And, you know, they were there. But I didn't have anything to do with them coming. I didn't arrange it. I didn't discuss it. And, you know, the general agreement was, you know, see you afterwards. Yeah. And so I think the build up and the lead into it, you know, you, you have your own kind of set way of doing things that you don't want to change that all of a sudden. Mm. And I think if your family, they, they need to understand that, that it's not that you don't want them there, but you just want to, don't want to know about them being there. You don't want to know what they'll be doing. I mean, it's, it's nice. I mean, I found when I ran in Dublin and I, I could, I knew there was people going to come out and watch me that when I knew the areas they were going to come out, it gave you something to look forward to. Hmm. But then the problem was when you got there and you couldn't see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember you telling us this story about the fellow with the hat. Yeah, <laughs> they said, they said they would come they out. Said they'd be there. And... They hope they're okay. Yeah. I have a bit of experience in this end of things, I guess, with people wanting to come to shows and then them like texting you going, where can I get parking? And you're like. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> the last question for this half of the show, and we have so many more great questions around the parishes and David Gillick coming up in the second half. But the final question here relates to the gels that we talked about. Mortine gels, the kind of industry standard, top the line, everybody talking about the Vinnie recommending them the previous week. His listener says, I got the gels you guys were talking about, but they are messing with my stomach, something terrible. Is there any alternative to the Mortine gels or do I need to just keep practicing with them and get my body used to them? It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, there's, it is a great question. And people think they have, I mean, you don't have to use gels and, you know, there's, you don't have to use Mortine gels. There's lots of different types. So I think you have to find what works for you. And, you know, if you're, I mean, there was a time when people read in the marathon and gels didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You ran pretty good. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, think I guess you can get sucked into the whole, you have to do this. You have to wear the vapors. You've got to have a plate of shoes <laughs> to do this thing. But loads yeah, it's of times people didn't. It's a whole kind of evolving thing that, you know, we've moved on to a new era now where you need to have, you know, fast shoes. You need to have the gels, the carb drinking. We we just we have too we have so much information and so much things that we can we can decide to use or not to use that it can become confusing. Mm. And what do you do? And then if something doesn't agree with you, then you think, oh, is there something wrong with me now? How can I not be able to? Uh, why can't I take these these gels in? And so it it becomes a, a stress that you don't need. So. I mean, I think I would try different gels first, maybe. But then if they totally don't work, then don't worry about it. And just yeah. try and get as many drinks as you can. Yeah, I talk about it in the second half of the show, about the uh, carb drink, the Mortine carb drink. I gave it a go, Sonia. <laughs> I don't know where I got the idea. But I seemed to read somewhere that you should sip on this carb drink before going to bed if you're going out for the early run uh, in the morning. And <laughs> let's just say... My heart was beating through my chest during the night. <laughs> I used to drink too much of it. But I talk a little bit more about that. We'll get in to uh, Sonia's top marathon workouts. We'll also be talking about those long runs and if you're struggling to hydrate for them. Also, is a 10% increase in your mileage enough? 
if you're feeling like my back's to the wall here, I don't think that's enough. Can you bump your mileage by a little bit more? We'll talk about all that and get David Gillick on the line to see how he got on at the Dublin Half Marathon. And uh, you can hear it all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. You know the deal. Five or a month, get access to all these lovely XL episodes, all of Sonia's expertise. And of course, the new Irishman Abroad podcast, the Runner's Digest, which will make an appearance a lot more over the coming months. The Irishman Abroad is proud to present the Runner's Digest podcast. Welcome to the Runner's Digest, the Patreon exclusive bonus podcast where we go a bit deeper into my running journey and the wider world of running. So I'm reluctant to kind of say on a podcast, this is your goal time and then a few thousand people around Ireland going, oh, Jared's aiming for this now, and yeah. then... Uh, you didn't do it. And then, yeah. yeah. And look, Ireland is full of those pricks who Tell me don't really it. want you to succeed, even though they're <laughs> clapping you on the back. What people think doesn't matter. We all know that. It doesn't matter. The older you get, the, real, the more you realise that, I think. I don't care how you feel at 22 miles or whatever it is, 35k... That's where you knuckle down and you're going to finish this and you're, I don't care if you feel crap, that's where you knuckle down.